and welcome back to another episode of Gray Matters. This is Ricky, and in this episode, we're going to continue our discussions about why I'm an activist. It's a two-part episode, so if you want to listen to the first half, Activate Your Activism, you can listen on the podcast platform of your choice or on our website. For this second part, we're going to specifically talk about conscious activism and what that means. Hi everyone, I'm Charmaine, and like Ricky said, we're going to be discussing conscious activism and a little bit more specifically maybe the various forms of activism, such as passive and activism, and what that looks like. So firstly, we wanted to bring your attention to big businesses, and when when we say big businesses, we do mean large corporations, but also medium-sized businesses, and even if you have a local business, I think Some of the things that we're going to say can be useful and provide information for anyone that has a business of any um, of any size. So we were discussing big businesses specifically um, in kind of in our context of the Black Lives Matter movement and what we discussed a little bit in our mini episode about Blackout Tuesday and how, you know, businesses and corporations and um, individuals were kind of showing solidarity with the Black Lives Matter movement and they were, the aim was to silence their own personal promotion in favor of promoting um, activism for Black Lives Matter and, and movements, move the movement for Black lives. So um, we, as we discussed, this, this became a little problematic because people were misinterpreting the message to just mean silence altogether. And what we also saw was, particularly in the form of big business, was marketing and um, various forms of social media uh, efforts to kind of send out what we considered were sort of empty support messages. So we saw a lot of corporations, you know, like post hashtag Black Lives Matter, hashtag we are with you, but it kind of was there. Uh, And and some of them donated money to various organizations. And while that's great, we consider these kind of a form of passive activism. And the reason for that is because we want these corporations and businesses to address and reevaluate what actual representation um, and diversity means in their organization. So one aspect of that is like reevaluating their leadership and their board members. And the reason we say that is because um, I'm going to reference a study that I found. um, It's a CBS News article, and the study was conducted by the Center for Talent um, Innovation. It's a workplace think tank in New York City. So they found that Black people account for about 12% of the U.S. population, but only occupy about 3.2% of the senior leadership roles at large companies in the U.S., and only 0.08 of all Fortune 500 CEO positions. So that's less than 1%. So uh, 0.8, I should say. So that's less than 1% of CEO positions in all Fortune 500 companies. That's a really big claim. Um and a really big statistic for us to pay attention to. So that's saying that it's not only just the positions that these companies are in, These this kind of points to the systemic injustices that prevent Black people from obtaining leadership positions. Um, that also points to the corporate cultures of many um, businesses and corporations, which um, you know prevent people of color from being recruited, from being promoted. So one of the things that we recommend is for um, businesses to reevaluate the position of leadership um, and board members is to look about look at providing a seat at the table. So that means going the extra mile to recruit people of color and promote people of color with the intention of leadership roles. Um, 
I also want to raise your attention to eliminating the concept of tokenism or diversity quotas. A lot of time when we have these uh, conversations or these conversations have happened, um, Ricky and I both, as we mentioned, have some experience in corporate sectors and have been somewhat privy to these conversations. And there is this kind of idea of tokenism or diversity quotas or just hiring people based off of fulfilling um, this need of saying, oh, we have one black person, we have an Asian person, we have a gay person. Obviously, we're saying that is extremely problematic. That leads back to the systemic issues and concerns at hand. And um, it's true representation within these companies eliminates those concepts and works at dismantling the structures which um, basically contribute to those to those concepts. Um, and another kind of aspect of this is microaggressions, which are represented through marketing. So Ricky will go into a little bit more detail about that, about exactly what can kind of constitute a microaggression, but um, this word has been discussed a lot and it's, it's, it's utilized in various forms of individual and um, collective actions to perpetuate and reproduce systemic injustices. Yeah, so the term microaggression um, is a term that kind of, it, it, it explains that even within um, kind of like, even within kind of this diverse setting or this setting that's supposed to help implement change, you, you kind of experience this oppression. Um, and for example, um, we recently kind of like posted on our Instagram kind of like examples of microaggressions. So um, if you want to check that out, be sure to uh, follow us and look, look for our updates at Gray Matters, the blog on Instagram. But in this post, one of the examples was, you know, someone coming to you and ask and telling you, um, you don't sound black. I, I got that all the time growing up, actually, where someone's like, you don't sound black or you don't, you don't meet the quote unquote stereotype that I get when it comes to your specific uh, race or ethnicity. And where this comes into conversation with um, kind of like the overarching kind of like overarching theme of this conversation is that a lot of times we feed our big businesses, our brands feed into these ideas of microaggressions by feeding into the stereotypes. And where where we can start with this, I think where we can start, um, if you're asking yourself, you know, I'm not a big business, I'm not a big brand, this doesn't apply to me. Um, we also want to say that where you can start is by looking closely at your um, kind of like your your friend circle or your your groups that you hang out with. And if you hear, um, over here, like in day-to-day -day conversation, um, a, like a saying or a statement that can be considered a microaggression or a stereotype, um, to correct that. Because a lot of times when we leave things going uncorrected, a lot of people think it's okay. They're like, oh, this is fine, this everyday language. Versus I feel that the change starts with correction. And we're not saying that, um, you know, this is specifically, you know, we're not saying that people of color are responsible for educating non-people of color or white people. What we're saying is that part of this quote-unquote burden um, that we talk, talk about in episode one, uh, sorry, part one of this episode is um, carrying this burden of an activist is facilitating conversations with your friends and family and facilitating that conversation might start with correcting. Um, it might start with this um, idea of approaching this, 
approaching this day-to-day conversation um, with the lens of from an activist approach. And that also goes into the conversation that we talk about feminist killjoy. Like sometimes it gets uncomfortable. Sometimes you have to um, correct um, and feel okay being in that uncomfortable state. Um, And so also we want to also say that part of this correction and part of this kind of change that you're facilitating by being an activist can help with the overall goal of a lot of these movements is to help the public, help society realize that a lot of these issues aren't personal experience. And what we mean by that is we see a lot of comments, hear a lot of comments where people are like, oh, you know, racism is in your head or you know, representation is only based on your personal, like, that's something personal, that's not something systemic, and I believe that these are, these are steps that we can take to help address, to help address that, and help address that these issues are systemic, and that these issues are institutionalized, and has to be corrected at a society level, and not just something to be brushed off for the personal experience. Um, and of course, we we are here. We want to provide, you know, resources and advice to you. And one of the biggest advice um, that I can think of when it comes to these conversations is trying to refrain from quote-unquote call-out culture or try to refrain from conversations that can be more detrimental to the cause than effective. Um, in a New York Times article in 2019, um, Loretta Ross defines, defines call-out culture, and she defines it as, and I'm, I'm going to quote from her, it says, call-out happen, call happen when people publicly shame each other online, at the office, in classrooms, or anywhere humans have, quote-unquote, beef with one another. And this means that you want to just make sure that your correction um, and your, like, overall intention for the correction is not to shame that person and it's not to you know belittle that person it's just to like I said like we said before it's to um address address the overarching goal of the movement and I think part of this kind of um differentiating between call out culture and correction is having the confidence um in with and with research comes confidence. Not researching, like we said, to educate your white friends, but researching for yourself. Researching so that you have the confidence to know, okay, that what you just said is a microaggression, that's not okay. Or if that what you just um, said in that conversation with that person was a stereotype, and this is why it's not okay. Um, so we definitely recommend you to continue researching for yourself and getting an education for yourself on what different microaggressions are and what different stereotypes are and like we said like we said before we're gonna be here to provide these resources to you and for you and Charmaine's gonna talk a little bit about um kind of like an upcoming series that's gonna be a huge resource to listeners out there who want to um kind of gain more education in these areas yeah absolutely like Ricky said I think the thing with call-out culture that we find most problematic is that it can be 
detrimental and it can kind of end the conversation. We obviously don't want that. We want to continue these conversations as uncomfortable as they are. It's not until we have these uncomfortable conversations that we're going to be able to make any kind of substantial change on the individual and collective level. Um, that also goes for you know non-people of color, white people. I think it's important to not expect an exertion of emotional label, labor from the people of color in your life. Um, you know, just because someone is of color or maybe is of a different background than you, this can also extend to people of color. Just because someone is different than you does not mean that they owe you the time or energy um, to educate you. Um, at the same time, white people, this does not mean that people of color, you know, due to maybe willful or unwillful ignorance that they can go easy on you or, you know, kind of like accept systemic injustices. Um, I think it's really the time for everyone to educate themselves. Like Ricky said, if you're a person of color, it's great to educate yourself on your own issues and the issues of other communities of color to come together as allies and coalitions to help the causes of one another. I think that's so important right now, especially with Black Lives Matter. We're seeing a lot of communities of color come together as well as like um, for other communities, it's Pride Month as well. So of course we wanna see more people come together and support LGBTQIA um, communities as well. Um, yeah, like Ricky said, we are, uh, we will be featuring our first ever like unbook club episode. And so, um, a couple of resources that relate directly to this episode and, and well, I mean, they're really also going to serve as a great resource guide for, um, a lot of conversations we will have and for, I'm sure conversations outside of just our podcast as well, but there are three specific books and um, I'm going to list them. The first of which is A People's History of the United States by Howard Zinn. This is a phenomenal resource. Everyone needs to read this. Um, White Rage by Carol Anderson. This is also another great resource. And then Colonize This. It's a new edition by, um, it's, an, it's edited by Daisy Hernandez and Busha Ramon. This is an awesome anthology. So in our Unbook Club series, we're going to be going into a little bit more detail about these. We also have an Unbook Club page on our website at graymattersblog.com. So when you go on there, we'll be featuring, of course, our podcast episode, but also a little bit more information about these books specifically and how they can be um, you know, utilized as a resource for um, yourself to educate yourself and for conversations with others. Yeah, and that those resources tie, thank you so much for sharing that, Charmaine, because those resources tie directly into um, kind of like our conclusion of this two-part, of this two-part, you know, episodes. First, like, I definitely feel and agree that educating yourself and gaining more knowledge is definitely a form of activism within itself. Um, yeah, and for us, like, we've committed our lives basically to educating ourselves and I definitely feel like sometimes there's this misconception that activism looks a certain way and I feel like people that participate in different forms of activism sometime um, like if you're protesting they're like oh you're not out here protesting so you're not an activist and that's we're we're definitely not saying that and we definitely don't think that that's the case we definitely think that there's different forms of activism um, for example, not everyone can fully commit um, their lives to education and the, you know, the widespread of knowledge. This is not to say that we believe that no one should educate yourself because, of course, in order to be an activist about certain issues, you definitely should learn more about the issues. 
Um, but we're just saying, you know, a commitment level such as Charmaine and I who have committed, you know, our our careers, like I said, our careers, our lives, et cetera, et cetera, to the activist cause. Um, but if you want to get involved, um, there's so many different ways. For example, if you love gardening and you um, spend your time, you know, your free time hobby, you like researching gardening and you just love gardening itself. Um, another, a great idea that we had from our eco-feminist class and our food justice class is to get involved in an urban farm, like a community urban farm. So there's so many different communities that are food deserts that we don't realize that are, you know, down the street from our own community um, that we can get involved with, with helping with their urban farming initiatives and providing sustainable uh, food to their community. Uh, so that's a, you know, that's a start. You can just, you know, look up your interests, look for different community, um, just community, community-wide organizations and initiatives that you can participate in. Um, and that kind of, you know, goes into this whole idea um, of, you know, the social justice warrior versus keyboard warrior, which Charmaine is going to touch on a little bit here. But this idea of like, getting from just behind your social media platform or your quote unquote screen, and actually, you know, providing tangible, um, like tangible efforts towards these social justice movements that you're supporting. Right. I think one of the things too with, with us that we want to make clear, especially in this two-part series, is that it's important to enact long-term change. So that's why we're saying investigate, look at what you're interested in, see what is out there and what you want to participate in um, and go for it. Do what you can. Like what mm -hmm. Ricky was saying, you know, not everyone can, you know, dedicate a master's degree studying injustices and social justice movements um but that's okay you know that's why we're trying to provide resources because we want to build that bridge between critical theory and um, active engagement so that's what we were kind of discussing that term passive and active activism is that um social justice warrior keyboard warrior these can have negative and positive connotations and mm -hmm. while social media is really important and it serves a very useful function in our world right now. I think it also is, like what Ricky said, it's important to kind of step away from that and see how see how and what enacting um, an active form of, of uh, like social justice would look like. So how can you participate in that? So like Ricky provided one example. So we're just saying, you know, how can you participate? We want to see, we love this momentum and I love seeing this momentum for the Black Lives Matter movement. But what does that look like beyond today? What does that look like when all of the protests kind of calm down? Are we still going to be acknowledging and working towards addressing systemic injustice? And um, yeah, that's that's kind of, we're just challenging people to go out there and do that and challenge to do that yeah. as well. Yeah, absolutely. And we are here to support you. We support you. We're here to help, um, you know, bridge the gap between, you know, this, you know, idea that activism is unattainable and we're here to help bridge that gap between activism being unattainable and day-to-day -day activism so we're here to provide resources to you we're here to provide support um share your activism you know goals or what you're currently doing with us share them with us and we would love to you know uh, for you to share them with the Gray Matters community so we can, you know, learn more and get involved with different organizations. Um, 
As always, we are going to share different resources that we come across on our website, graymattersteblog.com. We're going to share different organizations and different activist groups that we're connected with at the local and national level on our Instagram page, also at Gray Matters the Blog. Stay tuned on your podcast platform of choice for upcoming episodes that will talk more about um, social justice issues and theories and just overarching concepts. Um, and stay safe out there. If you're protesting still, stay safe um, and stay tuned. We will talk to you later.